They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top-end pub... He's whinging and moaning and banging the table. I said, sorry mate, a metre barra is like a tree falling in the forest. If nobody saw it, except you, it didn't happen. And he's going off his nuts. Smith. Uh-oh. What's going on? More. Rob, 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 Rob. Look at the time, man. Oh, showtime. Yeah, let's go. Quick, quick. Hurry up. Drink get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the tinny on a week that sees us longing, longing to see the split rings tested, the rod tip bent and the drag just burning, longing for some intensity. If you got out this week to the blue or the bong or big river, all power to you. You've done the life juggling necessary to ensure that your build up fishing will happen. Yet the lawn's up to your knees, the sink's full of chopped bones and dried mash-crusted plates from dinner three days ago. The reno on the pergola sits limp, unfinished. Yet you knew what had to be done. It would all have to wait. Tides are right, etc., etc. This is you, we're with you. If you're not in this camp, by the way, you had to stay back home and mow that lawn and fix that pergola. In other words, be a diligent and responsible individual, partner, mum, dad or employee, then, well, we're with you too. We know all too well the sting of watching all your mates take off in a 4am mission, return triumphant. Ugh. It's also a week that sees the absence of one Timothy Moore. He usually fits into the latter camp, often far too responsible and flat stick. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Working to wet a line regularly. But uh, this week, clearly needed to flick his own bail arm over and uh, bloody well get into it. Fish on, Timothy. Beard and Rocky with you for uh, this episode, Fish Shows. How you going, Rock? I'm good. I've been fishing again. I love it. Hang on. I, before you talk about your fishing, you chuckled a little bit when I called Timothy more responsible. Because I've known him a long time <laughs> and I'm yet to see it. I'm yet to see it. I've seen a lot of irresponsible behaviour. Uh, that was a bit too far. You know, that, that suits the church. Tell me about this fishing of yours. Oh, yeah, well, I, I um, decided to get out to Bridge again and yep. um, because, you know, Tim did get, give me some stick about it, doesn't fish or whatever, and I, I, um, I you know, landed two barrows, so I'm happy, and lots of other species. So if you're after a day where you catch everything, and I've also caught a freshie there, um, that's the place to go. Uh, we had some Saratoga, archer mm. fish, brim... Um, Oh, God, I don't know. If it was there, we caught it. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was all the, the bycatch that you get. We abandoned that about lunchtime and went to Corroboree. Oh, yeah? As you go? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear from someone that, that went, yeah, Corroboree, a little bit later. Uh, I headed out to Six Mile over the weekend, which was a lot of fun with a, a bit of a hot tip. that The water was positively boiling out there. And we will actually meet someone else who was... Also part of the same session. So were you of. on a boat? Because I can't imagine you out there on your kayak. Yeah, look at you guffawing <laughs> over there. Like, yeah. yeah, it's probably a little bit too far to kayak. That's true. Yeah, I was on a mate's boat, all right? Okay, all right. All right. I'm glad to hear that you're making that transition. Did you like it? Yeah, oh, it, was, it, was, it was great. <laughs> Plenty of room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you didn't have to move the whole vessel when you, when you were hooking up. I could take more than two rods. Yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. How did you hear about the, uh, the red tag, the second one that went off? Oh, yes. And King Ash Bay, see, it just proves that these tags can be anywhere. So isn't that wonderful? King yeah. Ash Bay. First one to go off there. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm going to King Ash Bay next year. 
It's a, I'll be all a bit too late. I think if there's only one tag out there, it's gone already. Oh, who knows? Maybe yeah. they decide to put a dozen out there this time. Well, you'd think if you go all the way out there to tag a fish, you'd tag more than one, wouldn't mm. you? Sure, yeah. Rock, yeah. <laughs> there's hope for me. Caught by uh, Jamie McGuinness from uh, KAB. 73 centimetres it was. Caught in uh, the Davies Channel in the Gulf. There you go. This is Tales from the Tinny. Getting intense. Oh, sh- ah, <laughs> again, mate. <laughs> I meet a barrel. It's paid out every time. Happy days. I'm doing the dance. Tales <laughs> from the Tinny. Rock, we're going to uh, kick it off this week with a, uh, a bit of a throwback to last week. Seven fifty. We—that's a whole day ahead of us in Shoal Bay. We're just going to have to keep fish. pushing. We have to keep pushing now, otherwise the tide's going to drop right out. We're going to be stuck here. Just keep pushing. Push. I am. are not moving. I just wanted to play that again. <laughs> Um, yeah, just keep pushing, Andy. He's still pushing. <laughs> Look, it's, it, it, fish shows, it happens. It happens any time of the year, really. But, but this time of year, it's an intense time. The weather, the mozzies, the heat-stricken faces of your mates, sweat drops sliding down your crack. It's territory intense. It is. And haven't, it's really... I felt it this week. Yeah, I felt it too. I thought I was handling it all right, and I thought I'd acclimatise nicely. And then, actually, no, it, it, the heat proper comes around. It's just that reminder. You think, oh, surely it can't get any worse. It, it, mu- it must be getting worse every year, but you just forget how bad it was the late- year before, I think. Yeah. But an excellent example of that level of intensity that can happen this time of year for shows, and, and sort of an accompaniment to Andy's sorry tale. I'm Maria, um, part of Brendan Adair, which I think you guys probably have heard a few times on Tales of the Tinny. But I wanted to sort of talk about our little um, escapade week or so ago now. So we just do our normal get up at 4am, of course. That's what you do on a Sunday, you know, because everyone knows in Darwin, the ties dictate everything. Whether you want to eat, sleep and have a piss, they dictate it. If, you, if you're hungry half an hour before that tide turns, you don't have food. You starve until, it, until those fish stop biting. Anyway, so we, we set off around 4.30. We thought we'll get a nice quick morning uh, fishing down at Bino. You know, go out for the um, outgoing tide. You know, that's when the barrow are going to hit. We get out and get home. Nice and, nice and quick, short day. So we get out and we've, we've kind of judged it a bit too early, really. We got there and the mangoes weren't, uh, the, the mango, mangroves weren't really showing enough and the mudflats weren't showing enough. So we kind of like, you know, just found some spots done a couple of casts moved around to the next spot and then we found a great spot you know we saw some mud flats showing we saw the mangroves are getting you know getting some we got some good areas we thought yeah this is this is good barra territory and um and of course we were going for the million dollar one we've already done the prenup so uh we needed to know we needed to catch this million dollar barra so we're casting away and nothing nothing for a while so we moved down just a little bit further and we're like oh this, brendan's like this is a goodie this is the spot and then we were casting away and I was getting nothing. And all of a sudden, because he's on his fly, all of a sudden he gets, poof, his fly gets hit and this barra's gone for it and he's missed it. And I was like, oh, well, okay. And he's like, he's like, I think you should go and put a smaller diver on. You know, we're getting a bit short of water. Like, put a smaller diver on. I'm just going to keep on casting. Poof, he gets another one and he misses it. And I'm like frantically getting my little lure on. It was purple. I don't know what type of lure, but it was a little nice little purple, like shallow diver. I was like, ready. Anyway, and he buff and he misses again. And I'm like, I'm going for it. So I'm casting straight at this little uh, snake Jane. And anyway, I get hit and, and, I'm, and this, this barra starts jumping out of the air. It can't, it, I'm on. And of course, then I get snagged. Anyway, we thought, oh, that's it. We'll move out a little bit down the snake drain just a little bit because water's getting low. Move out and Brennan's like, I think we've got at least five more minutes. Let's just throw in a few more casts. Anyway, throwing in a few more casts. And then all of a sudden it goes quiet. And we're like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. And he's like, have a look at the sound. Let's see how much water we've got. 
we didn't have a reading on the sounder. We're like, oh shit. And I think in hindsight, what was happening was obviously the barrel were probably leaving the, leaving the water down that snake drain, probably sticking their two fins at us going, so long suckers, and swimming past us on our boat. Cause all of a sudden we're in no water and Brenda's like, oh shit, I've missed it. We, we, gotta, we gotta get out of here. We're running out of water. Absolutely, we're gonna be stuck if we don't start moving. So we're turning the engine on and then he's telling me, move left, move right, put the power up. And he's jumped out of the boat. Bear in mind we're in Bino with all these croc infested areas around us in mud flats, not even sandbanks, not beautiful sandbanks, mud flats. And so uh, he jumps out and starts pushing and he's telling me where to go. Turn left, turn right. And we're literally following a snake drain. A snake drain? Out, out um, as, as, you know, as quick as we possibly can. And at this point, I'm shitting myself because I'm like, uh-oh, if we miss this time, that's it, we're stuck. And he's like, keep going, you've got to keep turning. Anyway, so he realises at this point, it's no good. And believe me, guys, when you tell your partner to get out because you're too heavy on the boat and start pushing, it ain't good. So I had to bloody jump out. And bearing in mind, I'm a foot smaller than him. So my, this, at this point, I'm standing in like thigh deep mud on the bino mud flats and we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing and this snake drain is getting like less and less water and we're just surrounded by flats, nothing else. So we pushed probably 50, 50, 60 meters and then we've just admitted absolute defeat. And we sat in silence for about 20 minutes. That silence was pretty, um, pretty momentous. Probably the most silent we've ever been in a relationship. <laughs> you know, Brendan, the expert in Darwin, been living here a few years now. He should know better, but no. He comes out with, let's just do a few more casts, Maria. We'll get out in time. So anyway, we've, we're stuck. We're stuck. And let's be honest, it's what, four to four and a half hours before that tide turns. <laughs> and the water's just getting further and further away from us. Yeah, we were probably a kilometer from the water. So obviously, you know, we had to kill some time. We had, we had the whole four hours plus to, to wait till the tide come back in. So we put on some appropriate podcasts about the mangroves um, and <laughs> learn what we could about that sort of stuff. Uh, we sat there and, you know, sunbathed for a little bit. And, and then all of a sudden the thunder and lightning starts and we're like, oh shit, the storm is rolling in and I've never seen a storm like it in all my life. We've got like sideways rain coming in. The Bimini's doing nothing. And we're sitting there huddled under his wheel of his, um, on, on his boat, just together in our little rain jackets. But yeah, it, it was probably one of the coldest, coldest days I've ever been in Darwin. <laughs> I didn't know it could get so cold. Finally, the, the, the water started coming back in, enough to just get us going and let us get out of there. And yeah. But uh, to be fair, we went out at 4am, we got back at 5pm and um, we had probably less than an hour's fishing. Um, couldn't have been a worse fishing trip really. Uh, <laughs> so we, we learned, Brendan's learned from his lessons. <laughs> and I've learned from him not to just trust him. And so next time, Brendan or anybody says to you, oh, we'll just put in a few more casts. <laughs> What's going to go through your head? Absolutely no way. <laughs> you can jog on, because I ain't doing that. We're getting out of there, and I'm going, we're ju judging with my woman instinct. And, uh, and uh, if I can't read anything on the old uh, sounder to say what water we're in, we're getting out of there, big star, because I tell you, four hours on a mud flat ain't fun. Sales from the tin. Wow, telling her she's too heavy. Wow, Brendan. Yeah, yeah Brendan. And he, he doesn't know about that interview either, so she got in contact with the tinny in secret. And, uh, and of course, we approved. Of course. Absolutely approved. Wholly so, approving. Brendan, if you're listening, we understand. The intention was there. The photos are on Facebook. Yeah, there's um, there's one particular photo where you can see the storm coming in, uh, and it's intense. It, it's intense. Yeah, yeah. There's no other word for it. It's intense. Uh, and you know, she said there that how how cold it was. I'd believe it. And the Bimini was doing nothing. 
<laughs> oh, it was a proper doozy, that storm. Well, billfish comp on this week at Groot from Saturday, run by the Game and uh, Sport Fishing Club, and it goes on until the, the next Sunday. So you get to pick the best of the three days in that whole period. And their Facebook says of the comp, get amongst it and give old stick face... A thrashing. Old stick face, eh? Old stick face. <laughs> Give old stick face a thrashing. That's the attitude, Groot. Stick face uh, actually might get more of a thrashing too with the announcement of a, a Tebs-like series that's um, uh, going to kick off next year. Stick face has been getting a, a fair bit of interest over, you know, especially over the last 12 months over here. So um, further detail about that uh, next week. But same sort of deal as Tebs. Eight rounds. You know, different locations. And and for billies. For billies, not yeah. barra. It's the same acronym though, isn't it? Top and billfish. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Nine-year-old Lawson Fletcher from Catherine sent us a hoy last week about a, a recent fish that he caught. Seems as though he'd taken over his mum's phone to send it. And um, he was pretty excited. <laughs> we uh, caught up with him this week to hear from the man himself. Casting my little offering. The trees and it went all tangled up, twisted through all these trees. And I had a bird nest and all of a sudden there was a few tugs and the, the spool was starting to come tight. I was wondering what it was and then all of a sudden this barra, it just flies out of the water dancing and then I go like, Dad, I'm on! Dad starts driving the boat through the snags. It was in the centre of this. Snag where a hook down where we thought we didn't think we were going to get it out. I thought I was taking a big risk by reefing on it really hard and the barra swam out under the snag and finally its head hit the bar on the net and then I pulled it up and it swam straight into the net and then all of a sudden Peter finds out we don't have a brag mat. Peter finds this up on his phone where he can measure things like he can start our point and then um, drag the phone to the next point and it'll have it measured. Turned out it was 83 centimetres. Just blown away at how big it was. That barrel was only one in five barrels. Yeah, I caught five. So I'm like the biggest well-known fisherman at our school and I told my class and they were impressed how big it was and a few of my friends, they really wanted to like, they didn't want to come fishing with me now. Yeah. Good on you, Lawson. And uh, thanks for sharing your, your fish with us. It wasn't his PB, Rob. No, no. I think was it, his PB was an 85? 89. 89. So an 83. And it was, oh, it was only one of five. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the pride at school. Well, yeah. you know, apparently he's actually um, talking to his mum. He's so keen to be involved in the, in the fishing sort of industry when he gets older that um, he hits up Trent and Warren at Rod and Rifle. Bails him up and he's like, so when are you blokes taking off? When, are, when oh, can I take over the reins? He's, he's got it, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> this is it for life. Uh, good on you, mate. Thanks, Lawson. Ray McCormack gave us a hoy as well. Mm. Um, he was saying, we all bagged out on Jews and Goldies and some cracking barra, and I was lucky enough to crack the magic metre finally. The Chook Chester and Mr Daly were reunited in the same boat. Only mm. trouble... I was put on the vessel to control any blowouts. Thankfully, it seems the relationship was as strong as it once first was. Oh, that's good. Apparently, I was too abusive once I recognised that I'd finally cracked the metre after it rose from the water. And it does happen that, you know how it gets intense? Yeah, well, it's, it sounds very intense. Yes. Too abusive. Yeah. So the heat was on and I got very abusive. Make room, clear rods, drop canopy. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> Grab the net. Put your beers down and don't this up for me. It almost felt like the two sparring partners have now turned on me. And I thought, great, I meet a baron, I've got to do it all by myself. In the end, it all worked out perfectly and there's high fives everywhere. At the end of the trip, I definitely experienced the highs and the lows in the low. 
was when I got a catfish spike straight into my thumb on day two. Oh, that's a low. Picks are on Facebook. And he's got a good pick. It's fantastic of him hugging the barrow as well. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that's a very intense yarn. It's intense and yeah. intimate. Between the abuse and the hugging, <laughs> uh, different levels of intensity. Maybe he should hug his crew more often and maybe, you know, he'd have more cooperation. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they could have all hugged each other, all hugged the metery, hug each other, move on. Christine also gave us a hoi. She, she actually sent us a bit of a screed outlining her and a partner's lack of success in catching a barra, having done trips over several years to the Kimberley and to FNQ to no avail. Too long to read it all here, but I'll, I'll cut to the bit about the, uh, the story from last week. They've now spent a year in East Arnhem Land. A year. A year. Uh, and yeah, still, still no barra. She says, uh, all week Andrew has been talking up this week's conditions as perfect for barra fishing. They are definitely on. The kids next door keep bringing them home. Oh, dear. <laughs> he suggests doing a lock-in to up the creek where you go in and stay until the tide can get you out again. I'm tempted, but be real. It's the build-up and sitting in a creek with no breeze and two kids who will fish if the fish are biting but get bored otherwise is a recipe for World War Three. Needless to say, we... Couldn't raise a barrow this morning. Uh, we did, however, cast many lures into the mangroves. We could easily have bought ourselves a barrow a week with what we spent on lures trying to catch. I just can't one. believe, like a whole year in East Arnhem, one of the best places to to catch barrow and to no avail. What do you, uh, you? Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to rub it in, sort of quiet like that. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't lock in up a creek. I've done the whole locking up a creek for five full days in a competition, and yes, it was it was worthwhile doing it. But it is really hard emotionally. Uh, that, was, that was a wow, scary experience. Hot. It's so hot. Mm. She was asking for advice. I just said, "Stop trying." <laughs> um, and I, and I, I seriously believe that. Stop trying, and the barrel will come. Well, it's like they say with IVF. In the moment you stop worrying and stop trying, you'll fall pregnant. Mm. Yeah, and look, I'm happy to use that analogy whenever you want, Rock. <laughs> Just stop trying. One of them um, insisted on using a handline. Seemed to get worse from there. Oh, awkward. Everything was like, oh, God. There's always a backup plan on the way back into Darwin anyway, so. Tales from the tinny. Feeling the intensity here on the tinny. Rock, you move in fishing circles that aren't really averse to the odd intense moment? Oh, I have plenty of them myself. <laughs> I um, have had quite a number in the last few years with just crocodiles alone. I just seem like my boat attracts them, I'm sure. But, you know, I caught up with a couple of um, top female skippers mm. this week and had a big fanside chat. Fanside, was it? Yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's hardly fireside stuff, so <laughs> fanside chat sort of. Oh, I like it. You fan know, side the, chat. Mm, yeah. mm, mm, of the fan, yeah. But anyway, I, yeah, I caught up with um, Tash Rammers and Kelly Carroll, and you might remember them from SWB. Mm. Um, Tash usually is the winner and sits on the podium quite a lot. Um, and Kelly's team were runner-up champions, so they're champions. Are you, you're talking about Kelly <laughs> Carroll there. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Tash and Kel shared lots of stuff, but... We did have some intense moments shared with us and one from Tash in particular. We were fishing at Three Ways Fresh Finnis. Um, it was running off um, a few years back. Uh, my daughter was only young. She was old enough to understand what was going on, but she was really freaking out about, because we were just catching lots of little rats, and she's really freaking out about the fish. And I'm scared. And, oh, just don't be silly. Be quiet. It's fine. It's just fish. There's nothing to be worried about. It's all good. And anyway, so because she was freaking out a bit, we stopped bringing the fish in the boat. And we're just literally getting the pliers. And we're just flicking them off the lure out the side of the boat. I was flicking mine off the boat. And next minute, out of nowhere, a croc comes up and snaps a fish with the lure still in it. Out of my hand. Just next to my hand. Snaps a fish out of the air I hadn't even released it I was above like a couple of like a good meter above the water sat the fish out took off underneath the boat so I've still got my rod in my other hand the line's going underneath the boat the croc's gone a million miles away with my fish and I obviously let out a nice little scream my daughter's freaking out out the nose of the boat <laughs> so that's fine it's fine anyway I'm like what do I do what do I do it's got my lure it's got my you know the lure that was working the only one we had in the boat Dad's like, cut the line, cut the line. I'm like, oh, how do I cut the line? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, we finally cut the line and you sit there and after that moment that it's all happened, it's like, oh, you know, you lost your lure and your fish. But you sit there and go, what if it grabbed my hand? So after that, fish. I always bring the fish in the boat now. <laughs> that would be intense. 
It is. You know, I've had a, I've had a, a fish taken right at the side of the boat. And, you know, you just swimming, swimming barra on the side of the boat is just not something that happens for me anymore for yeah. that reason. It's not just crocs, though. Sometimes the intensity is a storm during a stranding. Sometimes it's the sand flies. Sometimes it's pretty much getting stabbed by a shark. Looking out over Darwin Harbour and joined by Matt Kelleher a.k.a. Matt Kell, whose hand is bandaged and has joined us here to watch the dolphins majestically swim by. Doing a bit of aerial work over your right shoulder there, Tim. As the aqua turquoise water laps at our toes. He's just returned from the latest surgical appointment. Yeah, g'day, guys. So I've just returned from a, uh, a surgical appointment, um, getting the fingers fixed up a bit more from a uh, trip about two weeks ago. Uh, we headed out off Dundee in the evening and um, yeah, we're about 85 k's, 85, 90 k's offshore. Fishing was really, really good in the middle of the night. We started catching the first pull up, the first drop was a uh, 68 centimetre uh, red emperor. It's about as good as they get in these waters, mate. Yeah, she was pretty massive. Then on top of that, we started getting largemouth nana guys I uh, got a few good ones of those and um, and then some really, really big cod. And the trip was going really, really well until we started catching some sharks. Trying to get my sinker back because we'd realised how deep the water was. Um, we only had a few of these large sinkers and we didn't really want to lose them. So I was trying to get as close to the hook as I could with the knife. And the shark was about a metre and a half to two metres long. And um, it was thrashing all over the place. And as it's thrashed up, it's pushed the blade off the top of its head uh, straight into my hand, which has slipped through and just cut three fingers. And that cut three tendons, two nerves, and an artery. <laughs> uh, my mate said straight away, is that bad? And I said, yep. He's put a Band-Aid over the cut to try and... Um, <laughs> really? to try and that'll, that'll sort out the artery. Yeah, uh, to try and stop that. And did it, it give you a kiss on the forehead too? <laughs> <laughs> It was just spinning around. There was just blood everywhere. So he's just taped it and then bandaged it twice, and that seemed to stop it. And uh, he'd never really driven my boat before or any big boat like that. So he was starting to get a bit stressed because I was going into shock, and I told him that he's going to have to wrap me up and um, set the chart for Dundee and then head back himself. <laughs> so he started stressing about all of that. But, um, no, nah, he did really, really, really well. What did you think the moment you saw that knife slice your hand? Well, I grabbed it and pushed it against myself and then I stood up in the light and I looked at it and I could see all the fat and everything on each side of the finger. So I knew that was pretty bad. Because <laughs> I'd lost so much blood because it just kept bleeding everywhere. Like, Arteries will do that. Yeah. Um, I just started to feel really dizzy and sick. You were two hours into a two-day overnight, weren't you? So she would have been two days and two nights out on the boat. This is at two o'clock in the morning on the Friday night. Is there a positive to come from it, if nothing else, in the quality of fish you got in those first two hours? <laughs> in that very the... brief window? Hey, that's bloody good fishing! Yeah, no, she was good, and I uh, got some marks out of it, so I'll be back out there again. I've had surgery and probably 15 appointments so far, and I'll be probably seeing people three or four times a week from now on. Hopefully I'll be back on the water in a month or two. And will you be going straight back to that fateful mark, Matt? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> straight back hopefully it'll be a better trip than this one we've got to give uh, kudos to your mate who was up from down south I believe uh, yeah it was his first trip up here so he lives up here but yeah that was um, Daniel Wilkinson or Wilco so yeah he did really really well well done Wilco <laughs> yeah he did well what are the take home lessons maybe just bring more sinkers out with me but I reckon next time I pull a shark up I'll be a bit uh, more hesitant a bit scared actually <laughs> bugger the sinker yeah exactly <laughs> And of course, Matt, everyone knows who has had their natural strong hand injured, there is always some issues in the smallest room in the house. <laughs> I guess there is, yeah. Um, something to get. Ambidextrous? Yeah, you figure it out. <laughs> Good luck with the recovery, Matt. And thanks for sharing your story. Sorry to hear about it and glad you're okay. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for that, guys. Matt Kell. Territory intense. And when that yarn went down, actually, he was right in the middle of multiple 
surgical sort of meetings, just one after the other. So, Matt, if you're listening, I hope your hand has come all good. Keep that knifey away from that sharky. But, Rock, there was another yarn from a while back that's worth a revisit here too. It's own equally relevant and applicable brand of territory and tents. And it should come as no surprise to learn that ground zero in this case was the rural area. Hey, it's Jarrah from Virginia here. I'm um, just telling a story about a few weeks ago. We were fishing down at the, uh, at the Howard River. We'd done all right over the previous few days, so I decided to take Mum for a fish. We've been going down the Howie River um, getting live bait. Usually rainbow gudgeon, we catch them. Um, get mussels down there and catch them live bait and then travel only a few hundred metres up. And the boys have shown me where they, you know, catch, found a little honey hole and we get barra. Me and my mate, we had caught a couple fish each that afternoon. Um, Mum was getting the on that she hadn't caught a fish yet. I'd hooked up but not actually caught any. Pretty miffed. I see the difference is they catch barra and release them. I catch barra and I eat them. Starting looking towards packing up, the rain was coming in and we were sitting in the rain. Mum hooked up a little barra. And it was a beauty, but straight away this mongrel went to where it knew the timber was and it went over to a snag that was most of the way across the river and it went round the snag and I could see it thrashing. And it was, it was good, it was a keeper, that was it, that was it, that was tea, that was it, over there. And the boys are going, get it, mongrel, and I said, throw something, throw something. I forget what they threw. Oh, yeah, we were... <laughs> They were collecting beer bottles in the grass and they were, he threw them over. Yeah, well, it worked because I wanted the barra to swim back round. Its line had gone round the snag. It sort of worked. It went round the tree again, though. Well, that was it. It wasn't going to release and I wasn't going to release it. So I, he grabbed this to Jarrah and I scampered in. I might bugger you. You can hold my spear. And throws it to me. Told her she's not going in that water without a spear, at least. I've run over, grabbed her rod. She swam out in the Howard River, out to the middle. It was pretty deep. <laughs> there were a lot of weeds in the first section you had to get through. I said to Mum, like, if a croc gets you now, I'm going to shoot you, not the croc. I expect you to do the same for me, but... My ten-year-old was just about panicking, and what were the boys yelling at me? Don't drop the spear, don't lose the fish. I don't know, you're, you're an idiot. She knows that's a standard rule in our boats. If, if a, someone gets taken by a croc, when we go fishing, people have been overboard a few times in all sorts of places, Shady Camp, Mary, Corroboree. The barrel was now thrashing near the surface and it had managed to get the hook into the top of the snag, so it wasn't going anywhere it was, and the snag was vibrating. This did give me some concern because I thought that the agitation on the water, I was likely to meet a handbag. Grabbed a fish which was wrapped around this stick. Mum's sitting on the log out in the middle with the spear in her teeth trying to untangle the fish and that wasn't working. Both hands now hanging on to a snag because your feet aren't touching the bottom. I, I don't have a third arm, so anyway, the only way to hold the spear was in my mouth. So she's decided she's going to pull the hook from the fish, put her hands up through the gill case. Took it off the hook while it's thrashing around and then, now I've got in one hand, a thrashing barra, which I'm trying not to lose, a spear in my mouth and disengaging the hook off the snag which I'm yelling at my son, what it in, what it in. And then I had to swim back with said spear, thrashing barra, over to the bank, which I couldn't climb out, um, and had to pass the barra up to my son. We made the priorities right. Gave him the fish first, which he flung well clear, and then he pulled me out. I believe a few days after or before she went for the swim, there was a crocodile taken out of the Howard River. I don't know. A lot of people would say I was stupid. Um, a lot of people would say that it was a risk. My son did the calculating, I took the risk. <laughs> it's not a frequent behaviour for mum. It is quite typical though. Um, she, she jumped off the bow in S bends at Shady Camp one day because the boat got stuck. Uh, turns out she was standing on a crocodile which disappeared out of under her. She used to wakeboard off um, Mary River Bridge behind the boats. How big was this fish by the way? Uh, it was just legal, to be perfectly honest. It was like 55 and a half. It was a lot smaller than the ones they'd caught. But the satisfaction came from accomplishing the mission. It was ripper fun. I think the moral of this story is uh, don't get in the way of mum. She's a bit proud and when she wants to do something, she'll get it done, regardless of what you say or whatever you recommend. Yeah, she's sometimes a bit stubborn like that. 
Maybe. No, maybe the moral of the story is don't take a good cook fishing. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. Good rule. Don't mess with mum. Yeah, well, I don't think mum's long for this world, actually. <laughs> Keep that up. She was a goer. She really wanted that barra. Uh, they can definitely be intense, though, mums, can't they? Yeah, they can. They have to be. It's part of the deal, <laughs> isn't it? Part and parcel. There's another one from a while back that demonstrates this sort of maxim rather well and kind of speaks volumes of how fishos will work around and embrace challenges just to keep that line in the water. G'day, Tinny boys. Lou and Mandy from out at Humpty Doo. Went fishing uh, down the Finnis about a month or so back now through the Girls Gone Fishing Comp. We were cruising down the Little Finnis, I think it was. Yeah, Little, little Finnis. Peaceful, birds, having a bit of a yarn. Beers. Beers, yeah, lots of beer. <laughs> yep. Kid free. Us mums fishing, we don't get, get much kid free time, so we kind of um, chill out, let the hair down. As a good breastfeeding mum on the beers, has to do. One has to pump. And dump. Pump and dump, yes, because <laughs> you're literally just pumping the milk off and tipping it overboard because you don't want your baby drunk. Or <laughs> you don't want to get mastitis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so peacefully pumping, you know, sort of like... <laughs> yep. There's a bit of music playing. I thought... Led Zeppelin was Elton John. <laughs> we're f-ing fishing and we've got Elton John and they were all just burst out laughing. <laughs> Apparently it wasn't Elton. It was Led, but then they proceed. Oh, I said, but Elton plays a piano. It wasn't a f-ing piano. It was a guitar. Guitar. <laughs> electric guitar. So anyway, squeak, squeak. Learned that I was a bit of a dud at music. And then... And then, yeah, the zing and Shazzy was on and you could tell it was a biggie and got a bit hectic. And because you weren't, you didn't have any lining because you were pumping. Yeah. So you were the net girl. Yeah, hands-free net girl. Yep. Yep. So anyway, Shazzy was like, get the net, get the net. net." (laughs) So I was on the net and Shazzy was winding and I jumped up, grabbed the net. No hesitation, was there right at the, the side of the, the boat, ready to net it for her. Shazzy did land her PB. It was a good size 81 centimetre. And she was excited, so lots of jumping around, <laughs> lots of squealing. And Mandy looked at me and was like, dude, you've got something going on there. And the pump was still on her boob, top still up. It's all out. We're sort of hanging around a bit. Our poor skipper didn't know where to look. It was all got awkward. Everything was like, and I was like, oh, you know, like, I had to I had to deal with that. The barra, the net, everything was like, it was all hanging out. But, you know, at the end of the day, I tidied myself up. We took some photos and... The girls were appreciative of my efforts to expose myself and they believed that I didn't milk my spot in the team. I was worthy <laughs> and I netted it and I did the right thing and I did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. As soon as you're doing something, your hands are full. Yeah, your hands you, are full, your pants are at your ankles. <laughs> yeah. You light up a cigarette, any of that, it's straight, bang, it's if, on. If you want to catch a fish, just... Get a breast pump, do a wee, poo, whatever. <laughs> get your hands full beer, food, twisties, burgerings. Just get your hands full and you're sure to hook on. I suppose a few lessons learnt. Just because your boobs are full of milk, you should still get out there and fish. There's no excuses. And all mums need a weekend off to get out there and have some fun with the girls. And catch more fish than your husbands. Yes! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Who confuses Led Zeppelin for Elton John? Oh no, it's completely two different sounds. I don't get that. I, I, I actually really tried. 
you know, so like which song could it have possibly no, been? And no, there was nothing. No, there's, it's just, yeah, I, you know, yeah, someone that doesn't know their music, they're not listening to the radio enough. But doesn't that, uh, right at the end, that lesson, that, 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 that sort of talks about what we were saying before. Stop trying and something will happen. I've lost a lot of lunches on boats, you know, when you've, you know, you've got a few, you're trolling and you put, you know, your rods in, in the rod holders and you might have one in the rod holder, one in your hand and you've made a wrap or something on the boat. <laughs> and, you know, I've been on a boat where we had all four rod holders loaded and one in each hand and we'd made lunch and it was like tuna and beans on a wrap or some bloody thing. I don't know. And of course, several rods go off, if not all of them. Um, that is absolute chaos. But lunch just gets th- turfed it's gone you know yeah right so it was the lunch that actually presumably brought on the bite because you were distracted and 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 eating it and then but as soon as that bite happens the wraps straight over yeah it's an amazing moment that the moment you you can't be hands-free is when everything starts to happen yeah yeah be it eating a wrap or pumping breast milk tales from the tinny get a muddle up your brass marty sergeant He's a man who's been in his fair share of intense moments. This is the same guy who caught a marlin on a barra combo of his 4.6 tiller steer. Due for another one, Marty. Same guy who just two weeks ago got his mate onto a metery and was forced to do the holding and the photo posing because his mate squid. You remember this? Was yeah, too scared to it, do so. It's not quite a. It's not a photo bomb. It's a photo boom, you know, like he actually took over, didn't he? <laughs> a photo boom. <laughs> oh, he's been out again with a fine demonstration of the idea that when it gets real, the genius shines on through. I caught up with him this week. So I uh, headed out solo out to Corroboree on Saturday afternoon. Ran into a bit of a hiccup. I, uh, I put my boat in, just started trolling from the boat ramp actually just for... Something to do because I wasn't really in a rush. It was just a nice arvo. Yeah, looked down and just noticed there's a bit too much water coming in the back. Just thought oh, I've, I've put the bungs in, so there's a there's a different different issue going on here. So I sort of had a good look at it, and sure enough, there's a bit of water. It was probably about a twenty or thirty mil bubble, so it was coming in reasonably quick. Oh yeah, just what yeah twenty thirty mil, just like mini gushing. Yeah, just <laughs> straight you know, up, just only dripping in. <laughs> no, when I first saw it, I, I definitely sort of went, oh no, this is I can't really ignore this for too long because yeah, it was it was proper coming in, and I, I sort of I had a look at it and I thought, oh, anyway, we'll see how it goes. So I trolled for about another ten minutes and, and then sort of looked back and went, no, I think I better better do something about this. So I shot back to the boat ramp and sort of. Had a good look at it and discovered it was more of a crack than just a hole. I sort of wasn't real sure. I had a look at it for five minutes and thought, how am I going to get around this? I've just driven two hours or whatever it is. How big was the crack? Oh, it would have been would have been nearly 15 mil long, I reckon. But I'd say just the main, it's split open and so your, your centrepiece is usually your bit that bleeds the most. There's got to be a way to get around this so I can keep fishing. And uh, So I pulled the drill out and drilled a five mil hole through it. Straight into the bottom of the boat, which would have looked hilarious if you had driven around the corner. And um, <laughs> the sight of a man applying a drill to yeah, his own hull to, to the bottom of the boat. Yeah, and the water's coming straight out of it. And uh, yeah, so I've grabbed a plastic and trimmed him down a bit with a pair of pliers, and stuck it straight through the hole and pulled it through and back in the water. And sure enough, no leak. So away we went. <laughs> I went fishing. <laughs> How big was this plastic? Uh, it was only like a, a seventy mil sort of squidgy. Trying to colour match it to the boat? <laughs> no, I wasn't too concerned about the colour. I was just more concerned about stopping the water from coming in and being able to go fishing. Relaunching then, after applying the soft plastic, how uh, how confident were you that it was going to retain its integrity? Oh, I wasn't that confident because it wasn't like a solid, it was a pretty sort of soft squidgy, so I was a bit, uh, I was a bit concerned, but it wasn't too worried. I, I would have got around it, <laughs> but um, put the boat back in and no, nah, it was no worries, so off we went. Well, off I went, sorry. All right, so plastic's in. You're fishing again. Yeah, so now I've cruised up, I've cruised up the billabong and um, obviously keeping a pretty close eye on the scenario behind me. I got to dark. I'd caught a couple of small barrages jigging vibes and um, sure enough, I threw out a lure and right on dark and hooked a 97. It was absolute chaos, actually. So I had two rods out and uh, it's not the easiest thing handling a fish that's nearly a metre. <laughs> when you've got two rods out by yourself. So uh, 
there was absolute chaos there for a minute. So I ended up in the lily pads. A bit daunting, actually, because there was a couple of big crocodiles hanging around right where I hooked it. So I'm in the lily pads. It's dark. I've got a fish on that's 97. <laughs> he, boats the lily, he boats trying to go down because <laughs> it's got a plastic in it. And uh, anyway, we got it in. And uh, yeah. Way I went. That so. is the definition of <laughs> a, of an intense fishing experience. All said and done. Yeah, I was on edge a bit there. After that, I only trolled with with one rod for the next half an hour. I was like, oh, I might head home. I'm pretty happy with myself. <laughs> I've got away with it. I might, I might take off. <laughs> I just don't want to push it anymore. Nah, nah, that was enough. <laughs> wow. But yeah, no, it was it was good. It was it was beautiful. I expected to get absolutely hammered by mozzies, but um, I only got a couple on sunset and that was it. So... It was real good. I was out there just to relax. I'd worked, had a big week of work, so I was just kicking back. What a perfect way to, to wind down after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hole in your boat. <laughs> it's actually, it's funny because before I went out there on the, the Saturday morning, no, the Saturday afternoon, sorry, when I got home from work, my mate Ant came around and we filled the boat up with water because we thought there may be a leak because the week before there was more water. We'd had a few beers and there was more water than we than it should have been because when I stop at a rate of knots, the, the wave, the bow wave comes straight over the back. Yeah. And um, we both were looking at it after a few years and oh, no, there seems to be a bit more water in here than there should be. Not to worry. We finished that day's fishing, come home, and then, yeah, Saturday I, we filled it up and there was not a leak to be seen. We filled, filled it up with a fair bit of water to, like it would have been 200 mil through the whole depth of the boat. And, um, yeah, not a leak and then... I've got out of corroborate, sure enough, as a leak. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe electrolysis happens yeah. faster than you think. <laughs> I'd say, oh, crack. I'd say it's just happened driving out the road and it's just split open. Or there's a bit of stuff sitting in it. But yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, but we got around it. 97. Congratulations, man. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that is a winning story. Have you managed to do the repair yet? No, I'm due to do that this weekend, actually. So. I'll, uh, or buy some more salt plastic. Yeah, <laughs> all, all that. I'm pretty sure there's actually a stick in there because Ant took it out the next day, knowing full well there was a five mil hole in the bottom of the boat, and stuck a stick in there, and he went out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still getting used. Don't worry. You can't imagine a stick doing the same job as a placky. <laughs> oh, apparently he reckons it works. So he said he was driving along, and then there was a spurt of water about 500 mil going up in the air. He realised the plastic had come out. <laughs> <laughs> what it demonstrates to me is is uh, both you and Ant you, your dedication to the task of fishing. There was yeah. never there's never during that whole time uh, a, a time when you were not going to go fishing. Nah, you never can say do you? when you when you've made your mind up you're going fishing. That's what's happening. <laughs> well, what can you say about that? Bravo. That, that's um that's pretty good. It it's makes right. me just imagine this tinny actually as, as, as it further degrades and more holes appear and he has to drill out more and it just, just fills it with soft plastics. Then, uh, you know, <laughs> a fair percentage of, of the boat becomes soft plastics. But that thing of, of using a soft plastic to repair... That is genius. Like, I, actually, when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's, that, I would never have thought of that. But, you know, I've seen people use, you know, large bibs off lures as spoons in their tuna and beans. Oh, you know, yeah, because beautiful. you forget to take cutlery sometimes and you think, oh, we've got sloppy food. It might be a little rice custard. So you just get a bib. <laughs> I'm going to use that. If you put a soft blackie to some other use than what it was intended for, let us know. Tinny Facebook or send us an email at fishing at abc.net.au. The intensity brings forth the genius. And genius doesn't have to be a complicated solution, I reckon. Often enough, it's the simplest of solutions that are the most diabolically clever. There's an example of this from a while back, Rock, involving a man, a bait freezer, and a bobcat. Yeah, g'day, it's Dave Pears here. And Leanne Pears as well. Guys, we're at your place in the uh, outer, out Humpty Doo way, standing on a, a patch of uh, recently disturbed dirt. Uh, it's slightly inexplicable what's going on here, but there's a there's a little hint, the corner of something sticking up out of the dirt. What is this, Dave? Well, we've had a, uh, a lightning or something that's wrecked our freezer. So we had 300 litres of future crab pot bait, pilchard squid, all ready for the, the runoff, my swing off next week, and it's all gone off in a big way. I actually found it before it went off because we ran out of uh, water. 
we know out here when there's no water there's obviously a problem with the power because we pump it from the ground discovered that the bait freezer had been switching off the power to the shed which also has the power for the water pump got the water pump running but the uh, bait freezer was left as is for a couple of weeks uh, until Dave had a moment to remove it <laughs> a couple of weeks Dave why so long well the boat was in front of it I was working flat out night shift getting as little sleep as I could and it didn't smell because it was frozen I thought well it's created a vacuum I'll leave it be until I have to then it kind of let go quickly the gases must have lifted the seal and so we all smelt it throughout our, our front yard I was surprised the neighbours didn't actually ring up and call the cops and say it's a dead body. I've never <laughs> smelled a smell like it in my life. My first comment was, it's not my problem, but it did become my problem because uh, you can't stop smelling something like that. So I thought it better. I'll move the boat. I'll get the bobcat. So I was manhandling it carefully onto the forks of the bobcat to do something about it, and the lids popped open. I just about died. I found uh, a chemical mask I got for poisoning, bang that on, put it on the forks, and I thought there's no way I can give everyone a humpty do dump the smell of this. I'm going to put it in the backyard until it goes away, and then I'll dispose of the freezer next year. <laughs> Brought it out the backyard. We've got half a hole there from a previous BMX track construction. Just made it slightly bit bigger, and due to the wet weather, I was, was quite boggy, so I just dumped it in there upside down and just covered it with as best of dirt as I could, and it's still actually poking out of the ground but we can find it easy later next year and dispose of it correctly. Yeah I reckon you'll be able to find it easy enough. I mean there's a faint smell uh, I'm getting right now. There is a faint smell but uh, hopefully it's downwind. <laughs> when I was picturing this I guess I was imagining like a flat lawn that where something had been sort of buried. This looks sort of a little bit more like the freeze has been plonked on the ground Random. and then <laughs> And the dirt's just been put on top of it. It's like a sense of urgency, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, everything about this scene says desperation to me. Yeah, it was desperation. <laughs> Give me an idea, how many kilos of bait do you think were in there? Probably 150 kilo. It was, it was slosh and it was half to three quarters full. So it was heavy, yeah. Was this an elaborate way, possibly, of you just wanting a new freezer, Dave? <laughs> I do need a bigger one. And all my mates come and pinch all my crab pot bait, so... Yeah, we'll have a 600 litre one next week. You guys have a few kids. You would have changed a, a few nappies in your time. How does it compare to a bad, soiled nappy? I think I did most of the nappies, so I probably would have been able to handle it a little bit better than Dave. So it's probably about his time to deal with something a little bit smelly. Nappies are nothing on this. I'd cut one in the face and have, have that smell again. Your dog's having a little sniff around here. I think that says that it's not quite deep enough. <laughs> no, I think it needs another couple of cubes on top. Oi, Nashi, get away from it. You'll end up in the yeah. hole too. <laughs> I'm not washing you. That is genius. And I have had a very similar experience where we were heading down the track mm. uh, one weekend and we were dropping into a Berry Springs property to check on it while the owners were away. Yep. We get there and the power is clearly off. So we you know, set about trying to work things out and then we discovered that there was uh, really bad odours and there was no power on. So mm. similar thing. And you know, being that these people were away for a long time overseas, we had to clean it out. Oh yeah, that was it. Was yeah, we didn't get down the track. By I the way, hope they, I hope they bought you uh, several cases of beer. Uh, well, I've never met these people, but I knew their fridge freezer intimately. Yes, <laughs> it was pretty awful. Ugh. It was crawling, um, and and because we had no power, no pump, no water to clean. Uh, I actually got in touch with uh, with Pearsy about this, and said like, it's going to get a replay. What's going on with uh, with the freezer at the moment? And he wrote back to me. Turns out there's some movement at the station on this front. I'll head out tomorrow morning and give it a lift with the bobcat ready for the dump. It's sitting quite proud of the soil now. I may be gagging. Oh, well, I hope he's... <laughs> and I really enjoyed the name of his dog, Nashy. Nashy Pear. Nashy Pears. Loved it. <laughs> Nashy will be gagging or he'll be rolling in it, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I, the only thing is that like, he's, he's, he's getting onto it now, 18 months down the track. I'm not so sure 18 months is long enough for that much bait. 
thought at four and a half metres I could cross the channel on the way back. I tried to tell him, look, it's, it's not big enough to start with. Oh, yeah, I was Duffy Duck, that's for sure. She was bugsy. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. Of course, for every intense moment of unparalleled genius, there is its foil. The moment of sometimes unmitigated not genius. And they definitely come around sooner or later. G'day, it's Pete here, um, uh, Ted's competitor. Uh, I've only ever registered two fish in four years of, of the comp. This year I thought it was finally the year. I had a new decky on board and um, when we finally got down to Waterfall Creek, he was new to casting and got him started and he was getting rat after rat and I was pretty excited so I rigged up and I actually couldn't believe it. I was getting hits or hooking up every two or three casts and but getting them to the side of the boat where I'd lose them. Yeah, this happened consistently for an hour before other boats arrived and some of the boats had pulled in, uh, you know, they've been gurus in the comp for quite a while and I just thought, no, no, that's it, I've, I've got the shits with this, I'm not going to make a fool of myself in front of in front of the gurus of the comp. So that's it, I'll pull up and just hit the esky basically. Not really impressed with the uh, soft plastics, I don't use them much. However, yesterday I was doing a bit of a rod repair on one of my, um, my line guides and um, discovered that the soft plastic that I'd been using still had the plastic shroud attached to the hook. I instantly thought it's bloody hard to find a good Becky. He should have picked that up instead of going to the esky. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that nobody else would make this rookie mistake, but yeah, don't feel bad if it happens to you. But however, I'm pretty sure that's unlikely. <laughs> rookie mistake. Have you done that before? Decky's error. De- hang on. <laughs> hang on there. Uh, that's just... Yeah, come on, Pete. Come on. You've been doing this comp. What did you say? Two barra in four years? Two barra in four years. You're casting for an hour and you're getting bite after bite. You're getting to the boat. Did you not at one point think, I better check my hooks? Hard to find good help. Hard to find good help. <laughs> you know, after hearing that, I was like, I wonder if they, you know, companies don't even feel the need to put a little warning saying, please remove plastic shroud from hook before using because it's too obvious that I think you need he's to been, do it. He's been living in a plastic shroud. Definitely a moment of not genius. Dales from the tinny, get a mullet. Dave Krantz here. Good to be back on the tinny, I suppose, after getting harassed by the beard to, to come on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You suppose? Mate, come on. Well, I mean, you know, the harassment was sort of bordering on illegal. And in fact, I'm, I'm in the process of taking out a restraining order against everyone who works at Tinny right now. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, so anyway, uh, on the weekend I got out and we, we caught a few fish. Uh, it all started on Saturday when I was just hanging around at my place, minding my own business, when I received a call from one Glenn Hardyards Hubble, who was boasting about the day he'd had out in the blue water. He'd caught a few fish. Uh, you know, He'd been out with, I believe, Roger Sinclair, the Silver Fox, uh, in one of Roger's rare offshore excursions, and they'd, they'd nailed a few fish, despite Roger you know, not being too keen on catching things that aren't barra. I think he lowered himself for the day. So Hubble was you know, boasting about all the fish he'd caught. So, of course, I immediately went to check the, the records on the tracking device that I've installed on his boat, Luckily, he hasn't noticed it yet. It's still working, so I was able to work out where he'd been. Good plan, that, actually. Yeah, look, I think, you know, a small amount of investment in tracking devices on successful anglers' boats is, is worth a lot of research in other areas, I think. So after having a look at that, I thought, you know, this is Sunday is going to be pretty similar to Saturday. I better get out. Got my son, Marty, on board. So we launched, and we're heading out of the harbour to a location offshore. Yes... Anyway, the less said about that, the better. As we headed out, saw a small amount of, you know, fish working and some birds and so on, just sort of around the mouth of the harbour. Uh, there was only one other boat, um, you know, working the working the fish. How happy that one boat must have been to be out there by itself, no other boats around. Uh, did you feel okay about moving in on that particular boat's territory? 
yeah, look, we just charged in, sort of started casting across their lines, driving in front of them and between them and the fish. Uh, and in fact, you can maybe able to offer some insight because after a while, I noticed that in fact one of the people on that boat was you, Beard. And you, I noticed uh, on the boat coming in, dressed up uh, rather inconspicuously in a hoodie of all things. Hey, look, you know, I've got to be sun smart. Anyway, so in our zone, you did all right. Yeah, there was, as you also would know, there was a few fish around there. There was some Macs and uh, some Queenies, what we were catching around that area. And there was some actually quite big Macs down there that we weren't able to hook, or when we did hook, they snipped us off. But we landed a few fish there, and but we were getting a bit tired of cranking metal slugs at high speed. Not us. <laughs> so we headed a bit further out, and... Uh, turned out to be a really nice day out on the blue water conditions were great and we nailed a few really good fish um got some goldies some big golden snapper uh, as well as some big queenies and some golden trevally a few other bits and pieces this is at the famed snapper mountain uh yeah that's correct snapper mountain just you know check your charts you'll find it clearly marked Mm. all right how big were the snapper you pulled off this mountain oh we got a couple of quite good ones um sort of 70 centimeters plus So, uh, yeah, really good-sized fish. Um, you know, as, as you know, you can't really release them when they're in deeper water. So we caught a couple and then moved on from that, from that spot after getting a couple of goldies. I don't like to smash the goldies too much, uh, even if they're on the chew. But we moved on from there and went around and had a look at some other spots. And then coming back in and just in the middle of nowhere, out off Charles Point, there was a bit of sort of disturbance and some birds working so we stopped to have a look at that and it turned out to be quite a big school of golden trevally mixed in with mackerel just at a spot that I've never really fished and there wasn't much there to show for on the bottom or anything but there was some fish there for some reason yeah I mean they were really on the chew Uh, you could see them following hooked fish and you know drop something in and hook the ones that were following and and that sort of went on for a little while too uh, until we got tired of catching them I sort of gave up before Marty did my son and he I just instructed him to keep casting and he got a few more and then he was claiming he was a bit tuckered out as well. You and Marty you've fished a lot uh, before did he outfish you on this particular occasion? Jeez I didn't expect this sort of hardline questioning when I came along here but uh, you know let's just say yes yes he did <laughs> at pretty much every location he was able to nail bigger and better fish than I was. And he has fed it to you in the past about this. Did he feed it to you this time? Yeah, there's a constant stream of commentary coming from the front of the boat while he's hooking up. I'm trying not to listen. Uh, you know, my position on this topic is that the skipper is uh, responsible for everything that comes into the boat. So I view myself as the winner. You try not to listen. I'm, I'm now realising why, why you're wearing a hoodie after all (laughs) yeah underneath the hoodie you can't see the earmuffs that I had on (laughs) I used to look after him a bit when I had him on the boat and sort of rig up for him and things like that when he was a young fella but these days he's on his own all in all sounds like pretty good uh, little Sunday Grant good to uh, be responsible for my decky catching some good fish any final words for Hubble before we sign off yeah just when you're washing your boat mate don't look too closely if you see anything on there, it's probably just part of your electronics. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, just a little thing with the flashing red light. Don't worry about it. No, yeah, it's bound to be an integral part of your fuel system or something. You definitely shouldn't meddle with it. Cheers to chatting again, Krant. It's sort of a pleasure. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them loving up, yeah. <laughs> Before we sign off, one more intense moment to share with you, and this one's from Kelly Carroll. You mean Kelly <laughs> Carol? That's the one. <laughs> when I fell into uh, Tommy Cut, I was uh, just trying to push the boat away a little bit from drifting into the snags. I pushed the um, snag thinking, yeah, that's strong enough. So I've given it a bit of a yank, you know, a bit of a big push. It snapped and I have flown. So you've, you've gone head first? Head first into the water. Uh, from the cast deck and I've um, gone so far down I'm completely under my foot's got stuck in the mud I'm trying to push myself out of the water with my other foot so I've lost one thong and I'm trying to jump back into the boat and yeah I've swum back to the boat and uh, Tina and Tanya and Shana have 
saved my life. But yeah, it does come back to me every now and then how close and how scary it was to be in the water. But you lost your thongs. I lost one thong off my foot. And um, about five minutes later, Lisa McTinnan uh, was cruising Oh, that would by. be our Lisa the Brave. Amazing chick. She gave me her Havianas. Wow. So I am still, years later, to um, return those Havianas because they're really comfortable. You're just going to have to pay it forward. Pay it forward. Yeah, I'll wait for someone else to almost drown and lose one of their thongs and I'll give them... I'll pass the um, Havianas on. Was that intense because she lost the thong? Yeah, I think she was more worried about her thong than her life, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not saying it's not intense. It no, is intense. No, and I'm not sure I want a near-drowning experience to inherit a pair of thongs from her. That's about it from us this week, Fishos. Thanks, Marty Sargent. And everyone who helped demonstrate those moments of territory intense. Pete, Dave Pears. <laughs> Thanks to Lou and Mandy, Jarrah and Diane, Matt Kell, Kelly, <laughs> Carol. <laughs> I just never get sick of playing that. And yes, uh, the, uh, the one and only uh, David Krantz. Thanks to uh, Timothy Moore for letting me fill in the hot seat today. We'll catch you next week. Hopefully you've caught some fish, mate. And thanks to Maria Heathcote, who's stranding with Brendan Tortoise, if nothing else. Believe me, guys, when you tell your partner to get out because you're too heavy on the boat and start pushing, it ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it ain't good at all. Get an intense mullet up, ya, fish hose.